Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 22 of uh, Small Room. I am here with Maxwell Dickinson. Uh, Maxwell, this is a question I ask everyone. Icebreaker, uh, what are you famous for? Um, I don't think I'm famous for much. Um, I have some albums out on SoundCloud and Bandcamp. So maybe that. I, uh, I did a uh, award. I did a hilarious parody of Alexander Sutton's interviews a little while ago. Um, and I, I recently did another one um, of Anthony Fantano's style of a review of um, Conclusion's new record on my Instagram. So I'll say that. That's I think that's the the small bit of notoriety I have comes from that. I think. Fair enough. Fair enough. And um, the first thing you mentioned there, uh, if I can remember correctly, was um, was y- your uh, satire of um, Alexander. <laughs> Sutton's, uh, well, that's the second thing you mentioned. The second first thing. thing actually was your um, new music. But yeah. I guess since I mentioned that before, we'll go to the parody, the satire. Sure. And I noticed that you also did a satire of uh, Fantano's music. What what that's sort true. of gave you the idea to do, like, to not copy the style, but to sort of, um, like, put your own comedic spin on it? Sure, sure. Well, it comes from a place of love for both. Uh, I really like, I think Sutton actually had a really cool idea with the interviews because I hadn't seen anyone else doing that. And so I was thinking like, oh, you know what? It would be, it would be funny if I do one, but make it kind of like nonsensical. And um, so I did it with Gerald. And if you, I don't know if any, you, any of you listening, I remember it, but Gerald just gave like these really dumb one word answers. And I thought that was funny. Um, so that, that was it. That, that was mostly, I just sort of thought it would be funny to do that. I think Gerald delivered very well. And then for the Fantana one, because um, the conclusions, I'm friends with all the members, so Robin, Greedo, and Joe Gillettes, and Mike Ramon. And then we all know Anthony Fantana, we all watch him. So I thought it would be fun if, in honor of their um, long anticipated album, I had been waiting for it, they'd been working on it for a while, if I, if I took the review I was planning on writing anyways and just filmed it kind of like... Um, yeah, kind of like Anthony Fantano does. So I think it turned out all right. Yeah, they, they seem to enjoy it, which is good. Yeah. And um, funny you mentioned that. I actually don't remember the interview that Alex gave with uh, with Gerald. Um, I mean, I, like I, I have a faint. Was it around the band room? Like yeah, uh, I, I was in the band room with Gerald because we, we were we were in music theory one day, and I was like, Yo, Gerald, can I interview you? And I was like, Yeah, sure. And then he agreed. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. I get that because um, usually Sutton's interviews, I, I feel like a, most people get flustered. I don't, I think you had an interview too. I, I, no, I, I took a, a selfie back when he was doing selfies. He got a selfie with me, Joaquin and David Fernandez. Um, but yeah, I never did an interview with him. All right. Because I can tell you that like, I mean, he just asks kindly, Hey, can I do an interview with you? Yeah. And then he, and, and he just starts filming. So most people get flustered and I could see Gerald usually um, like gives is a lot more articulate than just, yeah. mm -hmm." Yeah. But I can kind of see why he, um, you know, got a little bit nervous, but um, I saw a little bit of your review and I I was wondering how do you rate, like, how did you come to the conclusion of like reading the album? Basically my question is about the way that you rate music in general. Okay, yeah, that's a good question. So, um, well, for, for this album in particular, I listened to it the one time, 
just sort of to hear without any thoughts. Then I listened to it a second time. And this time I was thinking more critically. I was like, okay, what does this song remind me of? What do I really like about the song? What don't I like so much about the song? So then I did, then I thought about that. And then I started writing it down. And while I was writing it down, I would like listen to each song maybe once or twice. So then it would have be like fresh in my head as I'm writing it. And um, as I came to the, the conclusion of innate, let me, let me pull up my review real quick. Sure um, but but I, I just sort of felt that it was, because uh, I, I did really like the album, but I, I had, I didn't, there was a, one of the songs I didn't like, let me, um, or well, I did not that I disliked it, just I didn't think it was as good as some other ones. Um, I'm sorry about this. No, of course, of course. So you're just trying to find like the ranking of each songs you have, or you're just your least yeah. favorite, your most favorite. Yeah, exactly. Well, I remember my most favorite was um, um, the last demanding insomniacs. Agree, a hundred percent. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was my favorite. I, I can get on my phone. Let me get on my phone. Yeah, just uh. Well, you find it, I guess, and I'll just speak about why that one is also my favorite one. Sure. Um, you know, it has both the most memorable um, lyrics and the most memorable uh, song rift out of any of the songs uh, on the album. Like, the piano keys are simple, yet they are powerful, and the melody just sort of, um, it sort of sticks in your head after a while. And, you know, that was, I think, the album I took the most away from, sorry, the song I took away, yeah, sure. most away from the album. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I found the review. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, because the song I didn't like that much was Stories of Man, because I, um, I don't really remember how the one goes. It was just like most sort of generic song of the album. Um, and then One Stormy Night. I like that song because I thought it sounded actually really like a Beach Boys song. But the lyrics were super cheesy, so that kind of um, that did put me off a little bit. But uh, you know, overall, I thought it was a good album. Um, <laughs> your, brother's just in, show it. your brother's just in the background. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this will be good content because podcasts are visual mediums. But here's my yeah, cat. and your cat too. I, I thought for a moment that your cat opened the door, but then <laughs> they did. Oh wait, really? Your cat knows how to open the door? It just pushes on the door. Oh, okay, you know, my door doesn't lock, so uh, and then my brother just closed it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. Well, uh, uh, all right. B- behind you, bef- like while you were getting to get your cat, I saw that you have a poster of 2001: Space Odyssey. Um, is that your favorite film? Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's one of my favorite films. My favorite movie is probably North by Northwest by Alfred Hitchcock. Um, really classic though, but yeah, 2001 is definitely one of my favorites. It, I got a chance. This is this poster specifically is from the 50th anniversary re-release, which they showed in theaters again. And I got a chance to see it in, which was for the first time, in theaters at the Coral Gables Art Cinema. Well, I actually haven't seen um, a 2001: The Space Odyssey. I was just bringing it up because I was curious about the posters. And also, what's that? Um, is that an album behind you? Yes, it is. This is my vinyl collection right here. Um, I have some more down here too. Yeah, this is um, London Calling by The Clash. Uh, so if anyone's watching this on YouTube, uh, you can see here. This is one of my favorite albums. Um, the, the Clash were a super, um, for anyone who doesn't know, super influential punk band 
in the 80s and London Calling is, I think, their, their magnum opus because it's not only a distillation of the punk music, but also of like reggae and dub and, and like some funk in there too. Really um, all those styles that were very popular in Britain at the time coalesced into this, this fantastic album. You know, you have a, uh, a page where you review albums and records. Um, can you give the name of the page for the audience? Oh, yeah. It's, um, it's hot underscore buttered underscore reviews. And um, the name from that, the name of that comes from is Isaac Hayes, the soul singer. Um, he did the soundtrack for Shaft, if anyone knows that. Um, he, he has an album called Hot Buttered Soul. And I just like that album. It's a good album. And I like that name. So I just, I just stole that for the yeah. reviews. And my question was, you know, out of all the albums that you've reviewed on your page thus far, which has been the one you've enjoyed listening to the most out of those that you've done so far? Well, that's tough. I, I enjoy pretty much all of them because I don't really review music I don't like because I don't feel like I need to spend time talking about it. But um, I'd say I have a review of London Calling Out, actually. So maybe that one. And I also, I reviewed Fiona Apple's um, Festival Feathers, which came out last year. It was my favorite album last year. I'll say that album just because it was new. It was new and it had a lot of new sounds I'd never heard before. You said Fiona. Um, Fiona Apple. Yeah. Fiona Apple. Yeah. Yeah, Apple, um, like the fruit. Like Apple. <laughs> All yeah, right. yeah. All right. Um, it's kind of hard to describe. It's That was one of the things that really drew me to it. It was so like, it, it defied a lot of like, traditional genre categories. I suppose the most basic would be like art pop, but it, it has a lot of very per- percussive feel to it. I'm not selling it that well, but it's, it's a very good album. Oh, of course. I saw you looking down at your notes. You're just like, I want to describe yeah. this album as perfectly <laughs> as possible, beat to beat. But yeah. yeah, that was a pretty good description, Maxwell. That was a pretty uh, succinct way of telling us. You said right at the beginning of this podcast that um, you actually had some music released I, I was wondering about that because i i didn't really know maxwell oh yeah sure that's fine but um yeah go yeah well so i, I have it uh it's kind of like electronic music i released it on um at least my first album last on yeah last year i only put that out on soundcloud you know i i eventually i want to put them out on streaming so more people can listen to it but i sort of have like a um you know kind of anti-commercial view of this sort of thing you know, being these small chords in the internet that are hard to find, even though that's, you know, it doesn't, um, it's not good for publicizing the album. I, I follow you um, pretty much everywhere that you have a social media, and I, this is my first time hearing about it. I've made, like, a few posts about it. I just, um, and I've, I've, I bury my, them under, like, weird jokes. So I think people just look at that and they don't pay attention. I think that's probably the reason why, like, I didn't notice, and maybe other yeah. people didn't notice, too. But you know little Nas X, right? Yeah. The guy who sings, call me when yeah, yeah, you yeah, want, yeah. call me when you need. All right. Um, That's beautiful. Like what he does to promote his music is he just sort of, um, he goes on TikTok, right? And he tries to make his some of his songs trending sounds, but also he, um, he takes trends and puts his songs over them. You know what I mean? So for example, I don't know if you have, do you have TikTok? No. All right. But I'm sort of aware of it. All right. Like, Every social media platform that's creative has lazy content. Yeah. The lazy content on TikTok is taking tweets, putting whatever soundtrack to it, and being like, oh, okay. Or like, just not saying anything, just having the tweet. Oh, like a reaction user. video. Yeah. Okay. 
And and what Little Nas X does is he um, not only reposts what other people make with his songs that are creative, but he also just does that. He like takes his tweets and he um, reacts to tweets. Okay. Yeah. And have you thought about just promoting your music in a way like that? I had an idea of making like a music video for one of the songs. So that, that might still happen. I don't know. This is giving me new stuff to think about. Uh, one of the things that you did in high school was um, you were part of the Wizards Club. Um, yes, I was president. I was wondering, what were your responsibilities as president of Wizards? Like I had to, I worked with Mr. D to make sure that like the board, because we had like, we had a stupid number of people on the board. It was like 30 people. <laughs> um, I know. <laughs> Like I, I, I literally every year I tell Mr. D, Mr. D, no, we cannot have 30 people on this board. It makes no sense. He's like, oh, but I, I want to be fair to everyone, which is nice, but half these people don't do anything. Um, but anyway, so I, my job was like, I would keep the board in check. I would run the board meetings. I would make sure like paperwork was in order because Mr. D didn't like doing paperwork. So I would help like with some of that. During the meetings themselves, I would make sure they didn't get too out of control. It was the first rule of wizards is don't get Mr. D fired. So I would make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, I would just try my best to keep it all organized. But dude, 30 people in in a club, bro. <laughs> I know. That just, I mean, at that point, it's like you're just giving like each board member, oh, you're, 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 you're like, in, you're secretary of Monopoly. You're secretary that's, that's of Dungeon. what it was. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it was like, um, at some point, Mr. Darmus had sort of said, like all the various sort of nerd facets, I guess. He wanted to put them. So there was someone in charge of comics movies uh, i was in charge of movies for two years before i became president Wh- whose idea was it for wizards so i think mr dar i think mr darwin had had this idea for a while but he didn't have like enough students to do it but then i think when he got um his ib kids he got like enough kids in his ib class that were juniors and seniors that were interested in running it so he was able to get all of them to be the, his board members you were also um in yearbook and i was wondering what was your role in that too uh, so I was a staff writer, so my job was um, I would just go out and interview people. That was basically it, you know. My editors would assign me to us. That's what we, that's what we called the two pages. So I'd have, to, I'd have to go find people to interview. The tricky thing is you have to find, like, an interesting angle to take the story. For the senior year yearbook, which was your favorite story that you wrote that actually got it put into the yearbook? I did a pretty interesting one with this girl who... Like during the summer, I think the summer before school, she had done this program in um, in uh, Sweden. Um, and she had, she had stayed up there for like a few months. She had some pretty interesting stories to tell about that. Well, I'm going to go get the yearbook now. Um, I oh, hope okay. you don't mind. I'll hang tight. There we go. I have it here. Uh, let me just put on my headphones. Uh, what page was the uh, was the, the Sweden story? Do you remember? Or? I do not remember. It was it was like a full page spread, and the picture was a girl like sitting on a boat, motion. So that might help. She was a junior, so I think it was before the um the junior school pictures. Is a photo of a girl rowing? Is yeah, that what yeah, that's the one. All yeah. right, here. All right, can here. I see it real quick? Yeah. That was it. Yeah, so I wrote that there. That was pretty yeah. interesting. Her story is yeah. pretty interesting, I thought. Yeah, just here for the audience who's watching this on YouTube can see it. Yes. But yeah, that's it right there. What was your process for writing these stories? Was it that there was a structure that you had to follow or did, could you just do whatever? We'd have to start it with a, like a single word, uh, an action word. Then you would describe why they were doing it. You guess the word from that. And then we'd give a quote. And that was the quote from that person. So that, that was the formula we had to follow. So we said to do it. We didn't have that much 
freedom. If I wanted more freedom in my writing, I would have gone to the newspaper. But um, yeah, but, but you could, I mean, depending on what people tell you, some people have interesting stories. So you, you can make your, even with that somewhat limited, for, that somewhat rigid format, you can still get something pretty interesting out of it, I think. Working at like these, I guess, organizations, whether you're in high school, college, or just um, in a real organization, I, I feel like um, ha being under those restraints, what well, does make things more structured and organized, it's not as liberating as just, you know, doing your own thing and just, um, just putting your own two cents into it. But I, like what you're doing was different. What you were doing then is, I guess, sort of different from just, um, I guess, that kind of format where openness is beneficial. Yeah. Now that we've sort of talked about what, I guess, you're Two, the two things you were most involved in during high school. What have you been doing now outside of high school? Okay, yeah, that's good. So um, I recently joined, FIU has a radio station called The Roar. So I joined that and I am a, so I was a DJ um, last year and I'm a, I'm a music programming manager. So that means my job is, besides the fact, I'm basically like a board member of that. I'm one of like the four board members. More specifically what I do, or what I'm supposed to do, besides having my individual show, um, which I still have. I have to choose the music that plays whenever there isn't a DJ doing a specialty show. Because the music we have currently is like three years old. So we've been trying the process of um, re-uploading stuff. So I've been looking, I have a few playlists of, of music that I think we can add on there. All right. And, and what kind of music is it? The basic rule is nothing top 40. Nothing top 40 because we're an alternative station. So we try to play music people might not know about. And um, we, we also work on a block scheduling of music. And so that what that means is that on um, so like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we changed this recently, but um, I don't remember exactly it's hosted the old ones. On Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it's the loud category, which is basically for the guitar. Um, these categories aren't to be changed, but this is, I think this is like video stuff talk. So like metal, um, folk, whatever would qualify for that. Then after that, on um, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, we have RPM, which is electronic music. Um, then Saturday, we have urban, which is basically black music. Again, I really hate that term. They, they, all the people in charge want to change it too. It's just we, we, we haven't been able to find resources that are good names, you know, because progressive R&B, like the grammar was like, that's stupid. <laughs> but that's not much better. Um, so we're trying to fix that. And then on Sundays, it's world, JT is not in English. And then my, my show is a world show. When you're picking out music for the, uh, like for the roar, does that music play like a normal radio station such as Y100, yeah. um, Power 96, or is, does it only reach across the campus? No, no, it, um, it goes further. So we have a live stream on the website, so you can listen to that anywhere. But if you want to listen in your car, it's at 95.3 FM. They go down Miami, 96.9 North Miami, and um, 88.1. I think that that's like in the FIU area. Uh, your show is called? So it's on Sundays from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. if anyone wants to listen. It's uh, it's called Intercontinental Flight. And so it's basically just me. Um, it's a very general show of world music. And I don't really like the term either, but... Um, you know, it's, I mean, it works, I guess. So I play music from, you know, Brazil, India, Ethiopia, stuff like that. It's not like you, um, you talk at all or, or you, 
or you're yeah, I talked some. Um, yeah. So we have to, well, like one of the things the FCC like requires us to do is every thirty minutes we have to give a a little read, which is basically saying like where you can listen to us and stuff like that. And like because we're doing remote, we're going in in person solely, but I'm doing still I'm still doing it remote. Um, we say that like Collins, we're not taking in Collins, um, or something like that. And what I usually do is I typically read the names of the songs and the artists. So I do that. And this, if anyone like is going to listen to it, it's likely me pre-recorded. But um, hopefully when the fall starts, I'll be able to go in person. And so you might hear me live. Why do you have to read out the, um, the lists of where it's available? Why does the FCC make you do that? I honestly don't know. Um, I just think it's partially. The FCC requires us to take... Because we're not, we don't take ads. We do um, um, PSAs, basically. But so I think, like, to make up for that, make up for us, like, get, um, doing ads, the FCC requires us to take, like, breaks every 30 minutes. And then I think, I think just because, um, I'm not sure the FCC makes us really read those numbers. I think we just do that. That's easy for us. Um, but the, the, we only do that because of the, the breaks that are required. What other rules does the uh, FCC make you follow for radio? Um, you can't swear on air. You can't have any songs that swear on air. You can't have any songs that are like too sexually suggestive. You can't have any songs with like explicit religious messages unless it's a Christian station. Then that's that's different. You can't play any music that could like potentially incite violence. I think so. I guess you, I guess you couldn't play like a a really racist song or something. I don't know who would play that. But, um. That honestly sounds more censored than I think any other form of media. I mean, I guess they, the, the regulations do make sense in, in that way because um, like most of the people in the car, I guess, are like impressionable to it. I, and it, yeah. I guess those lyrics might distract, distract them while they're um, on the road. But I, I just feel like it kind of limits what can and can't be done in that medium. I, I agree with you. Um, they give some leeway. Like when I said the sexual stuff, I think it's basically like you can't, it's basically, that's basically the swearing thing. Like you can talk about sex and love in your music. You can have that played. It's just, you can't say, you'd have to censor some of it if, if you want to have it. And then I believe the religious stuff, I, you know, this was explained to me by the general manager. So I'm only half remembering it. Like I think you could, like I think I could play Jesus Walks, for example, like Kanye West, as long as, like as long as it was a, a clean version. I think I could play that. But I couldn't like cast a sermon. Like that just sort of takes off um, a lot of the songs that are popular today because either they have a lot of cursing in them or they have, you know, some uh, sexual overtones or undertones. You know, you know the song with um, SZA and uh, and Doja Cat, "Kiss Me More." Oh yeah. I, yeah. I was in. I was listening because that song gets played in the radio all the time. Mm -hmm. But now what I've noticed is that they play the song that the version of the song that isn't censored, but the one that um, it the one that has like the lyrics swapped out so the context oh. changes okay. and it's all out of place. Oh, okay. So uh, I I just find it interesting and it, it makes more sense now that you've explained what the FCC makes your station and also yeah. all the other stations do but i think like the most uh clear example of that is um is wop right oh yeah, yeah 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 like the radio version because imagine 
either you would have to censor the song almost entirely yeah. wet beep beep <laughs> or you just have to swap a lot of the uh a lot of the words out so so the radio version is wet and gushy i'm not sure but how seriously? much better it, i know cap i'm not sure how much better that is but still that's something to ponder upon i, I didn't know that i never heard the radio edit so you're saying you want to be back in the studio, or I guess for your first time ever, just yeah. be in the studio. Yeah, have you, I actually I have been in the studio. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, have you have you been in the studio? That was my question. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been in the studio twice. In fact, last um, last Friday, I did a show there. Usually it's on Sunday, but um, for for training purposes, the general manager wanted to just train me on Friday, so I did a show there. And then one of the other members of the board did a show right after me. Um, so that was fun. It's honestly very easy to, to use. Yeah, because we have, the, we basically we come with the music pre-downloaded from a streaming service. We hook our computer up, we play that. The hard part is we have to make sure that, you know, that we do that every 30 minutes thing, where we take a break, we put in the PSA, we potentially put in a top hour, which is a, um, especially an advertisement for any of those specialty shows. And then we have to do that little station read. And then the the thing I do where I read the songs is optional. Like, because the controls, it's all, it's very old. Like, she told me it was like 30 years old or something, but it still works. So I think the fact that's old makes it simpler. When you said that anything that is in the top 40 or higher can't be played, does that mean anything that's been in the top 40 at any point ever? Or just, you can only play, um, like, what's in, you can't play what's in the top 40 now, but let's say there was a top 40 song that's like, 10 or 20 years old that is in the top 40 can you still play that song i think so yeah like if it, if someone, something was chop charting let's say in england something the chart but it didn't it didn't chart in america you could play that fine um yeah i think there's like a a 30 or 40 year limit between how far you can go so i couldn't play for example i couldn't play WAP or something but i could play but i think i could play michael jackson's song i think that time has passed all right that's that's fair. So no little Nas X, no Justin no. Bieber. <laughs> this all those artists are off limit. And yeah. I I get why you guys want to be outside of the mainstream. Because sometimes I I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but when you're in the radio station, you click one station and you're like, all right, I don't want to hear this next, and you click <laughs> a station. It's the same exact song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's happened to me sometimes. When I'm in the car, I usually listen to. Besides, um, you know, our station, the WGP, I was at the WDNA, which is the jazz station. They're really good. And um, WVUM sometimes, which is GM's radio. It was a classic rock station. That kind of sucks. I'll be honest here. But um, it, it's both, it sucks because they play like the same Pink Floyd songs all the time. It's like, okay, like these yes, are the good songs. Because Pink Floyd has other songs. You can play those for once. When the songs get overplayed in the radio station, this actually happened a few weeks ago, uh, I was in the car and um, I clicked one station. It was uh, Peaches by Justin Bieber. Mm, yeah. um, and you, you've heard the song for sure because it plays on the radio all the time. Yeah. I was like, all right, I've listened to this before. Next. And then it's, I got my peaches out in Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like this song. <laughs> Low key though, it's a good song, but I don't know, just hearing it so many times, I feel like radio just sort of... Um, overplays music for its own good yeah 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 like and even though they're good songs generally um 
you know, ha having it played in the radio so many times or just having it overplayed so many times um, kind of like kills a song, at least for me. Has that happened to you? Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, you know, I don't listen to those like Superman sensations that much. But, um, you know, I agree. Like if let's say on Instagram or something, I'm constantly seeing a song or I'm constantly seeing the song talked about all the time. It's like, oh my God, like, it just gets annoying, you know, like I or Spotify constantly is putting out all their big playlists. It's, it's, it's annoying. A uh, final question. What do you want to be known for? I think generally I would like to be known as someone who, you know, had a good impact on other people. Um, maybe I would like to be known as a musician, a filmmaker, a writer. I don't know. I guess those are, those are my like three main career um, interests of mine. Um, so I said that, yeah. But I, I think overall, just someone who, someone who made a positive impact on people. Uh, that was a great answer. Um, you know, usually I feel like that's what most people say when I ask them that question. Just, I want to be like, well, not me, but you, since you were the, you were the one who was asked the question. Just somebody who helped other people, just made other people's lives better. Yo, Javi, I'm, I'm in the middle of an interview, but... <laughs> Sorry about that. That was my brother. Um, no, that's good. Well, uh, it was great to have you on, Maxwell. Yes, great to but be I, here. But as you know, all great things must end. You were a wonderful guest for episode 22 Thank of uh, Small Room. Um, stay safe. Yes, stay safe. I hope I did okay. You did great. Thank you. All right. Here, go, Peace. Take care. For those of you who are new to Small Room Report, if you found this interview entertaining or informative, please give me a follow on the platform you use to listen. All the platforms of my guest or guests is in the description. Have a great day.